0: What do life saving devices, leather bags, and airplanes have in common? They are made right here in Oregon by ordinary small businesses doing extraordinary work every day. I'm your host, Linda Wexler. The Manufacturing Matters Oregon podcast is a collaborative effort designed to advance Oregon's $1.2 trillion manufacturing industry by telling their untold stories. Hello, and welcome back to the Manufacturing Matters Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Linda Wexler. According to a recent study by the Oregon Workforce Partnership, over 60,000 manufacturing jobs must be filled over the next eight to 10 years to keep up with projected growth and baby boomer retirements. And that's just in our lovely state of Oregon. In this episode, we're going to discuss a commonly untapped talent pool, women in manufacturing. We'll chat with two women that not only created successful careers for themselves, they're also busy inspiring others to follow their dreams. I'll first be speaking with Katie Hughes, who is the founder of Girls Build, an organization that offers summer camps for young women who are interested in building their skills in areas like carpentry, electrical, plumbing, roofing, painting, auto and bike mechanics, sheet metal, and much more. Over the summer, these young women participate in 20 different workshops to help them learn how to build, tinker, explore, and most of all, have fun. Hi Katie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Katie, tell us a little bit about Girls Build. How long have you been doing this and kind of what inspired you to create Girls Build?
1: Yeah, so Girls Build um, was founded in 2016 by me, but also just with a handful of other great supportive women and tradeswomen. And essentially, what inspired me to start Girls Build was I had been teaching at another nonprofit for about seven years, seven or eight years, doing a a girls building program with them. And um, I left that nonprofit just to like move on to other things. And after I left, they actually, one year after I left, they cut the program. And essentially, all these tradeswomen kept coming up to me and saying like, Hey, like, what are we going to do about the, the future of, you know, like future tradeswomen and how we can inspire the next generation to get into the trades and how we gonna do this teaching that is so important to us. So basically um, I had a bunch of, of women over to my house for some soup and we brainstormed kind of like what we liked about the old program and what we'd want in a new program. And it was really exciting and I just kinda slowly but surely started kind of doing the things you do. Like applying for a nonprofit status and creating programming and creating a website and those things. I kind of did it in the evenings after my other job and um, and just with a lot of like emotional and moral support
0: from the community and Girls Build was born. How many girls have gone through the program now?
1: Oh man, basically had um, like last year we had 360. So we've just kind of grown every year. Um, we've been adding one one to two weeks per year as we've grown And before coronavirus, we were doing after school programming. We did weekend programming. We did like mother daughter programming. We even did like a parent child program. And we were just like, um, basically, like, you could be any age. So you could be like a 40 year old with your 60 year old mom or like a 40 year old with your, you know, 10 year old daughter or whatever it might be. So those have been pretty fun.
0: Fabulous! Give them a chance to do something together and really, yeah. experience it together um, and build their their own relationship. It sounds like absolutely,
1: um, and it's actually been really fun to see the the little girls really teaching their moms at, at those events um, because they have been using the tools, and the and some of the moms have not. So that's been a pretty cool part of this.
0: What are the types of things that? that the folks that go through your program, the girls and and even their their parents, what do they mm-hmm. learn?
1: Um, we really try to cover a wide variety of the trades. So um, we do the basics like carpentry, plumbing, electrical, painting, roofing. Um, we also add in there um, firefighting, like paramedic services, tree trimming. So that's like, um, you know, learning to climb trees in a harness and, um, things like that. We've gotten into a little bit, like this year we had to kind of branch out a little bit. So we did like resin and we've made light boxes. And basically we really tried to do anything that we think would strike someone's fancy that's what we keep in mind as we move forward and, and choose our workshops and just really try to kind of think of like okay let's let's have them have the wide variety of experiences here and see how you can kind of fall in love with building and uh, it might be carpentry but it might be something totally different and then we do individual projects as well that we call one and done so that's like um, an 80 minute our workshops are 80 minutes so it's like 80 minutes. And you come, you have nothing, you have a bunch of materials, and you leave with a project that you've completed. And then our other type of project is... Um it's an individual project that they work on every day, and it's usually like a fine woodworking project. So they start on Monday with with just the materials, and they leave on Friday with a really nice piece.
0: Who are the types of um, girls that are attracted to this program that you, that you recruit to the program? And can you tell us a story about a girl that has gone through your program and and what kinds of opportunities did it open up for her?
1: One morning, I was getting ready on a job site to teach the adults and this young woman comes up to me and she says, Hey, do you remember me? And I said, "Uh, no, I, you know, I don't. She said, Oh, this is my name. And I went through girls build and I decided to become a plumber. So I am now in in my printed pre-apprenticeship program to become a plumber. I also connected with a, another, it's like a youth building program. And, um, they told me that three of our, our girls from our program, from Girls Build, had come through their program, which is another pre-apprenticeship program and had gone on to become tradeswomen. And it's just really cool because you, you know, are the whole point of what we do at camp is to have fun. We're not you know we're not trying well, I mean and be safe obviously but we really want to show them that this can be fun that time can go by quickly and you know for the older girls we'll say like hey you know and if you had been getting paid your work day would be over and you would have just made you know however many dollars and we don't we don't drive that home we don't push too hard cuz they're kids we want it to be a lighthearted place but it's always just really wonderful to hear that that got in the back of their minds.
0: That is incredible and have um ha- what's the difference between um c- pursuing a pre- career path in the in the trades and pursuing a career path in manufacturing? Do you is there a big difference or is there a lot of overlap there?
1: I would think there'd be a lot of overlap so it just depends upon kind of the interest I would say for the for the person doing it. So for the trades, it's similar in that You can really work for someone else um, and do whatever they want to do in the trades and in manufacturing, but you can also um, come up with something on your own and decide to kind of spearhead your own idea and what that looks like and lead the way on that. And for people who really are leaders and want to kind of um, are are creative and interested, um, they can follow that path if they want. Or if someone just really loves building something or making something and they want to follow someone else's plans, there's an opportunity for them too.
0: How has your career journey led you to creating Girls Build?
1: It's been a funny journey. So um, I grew up on 10 acres. So I grew up kind of You know, doing the things that you do on a farm, essentially like repairing animal pens and building fences and cutting down trees to chop and chopping it up to make wood for our fire and things like that. And then after I graduated high school, I wanted to go to college. And so I went to college and I got a degree in social work. While I was applying for jobs, I spent a week um, volunteering with Habitat for Humanity again. And this contractor walks over to me one day and says, Hey, um, you're a really good framer. Do you want to come work for me? Basically to pay rent on the house that I'd rented, I took a job as a framer. And it just kind of evolved from there. Um, my mom always said to me, "Like, Katie, I don't know. I was the first one in my um, family to go to college. And so she w- she really wanted me to like use my degree. And she was like, I just don't know how you're going to combine social work and carpentry. <sighs> and now we laugh because I have.
0: So um, I heard that you just wrote a book. Can you tell us <laughs> a little bit about um, that book and what inspired you to write it?
1: Yes. Um, the book is called Girls Who Build. And all the girls that I was meeting through our summer camps, I wanted to showcase the variety of girls who like the trades because truly... It's it's I haven't met a girl who doesn't like it, and that was kind of the like beginning glimmer of the book. And um, so the book interviews forty five girls and just asks them about kind of their lives, their how they feel about building, advice for other girls, and then and it's photo so it's it's photographs of the girls building, and then it's their kind of story. And then the beginning of the book is all like how to so the tools you might need, the tools you might come across, what they're called, how to use them. And then um, throughout the book, basically, I've picked 13 projects that the girls build in their photographs. And I just wrote out how to build those projects.
0: The title of that of your book, Katie, is Girls Who Build, right? And where yes. where can somebody get your book?
1: You can actually get the book anywhere. Anywhere books are sold, um, you can buy it online if you want. But I've had friends walk into their local bo- bo- uh, bookstore in really small towns, and the book is there on the shelf, which is almost more exciting for me than than finding it in the in the bigger stores.
0: Super. Well, uh, I would encourage everybody to pick up a copy of that um, and sign up for the summer camp. So, when can somebody sign up? Our um, summer camps open.
1: In February, our registration opens in February. Um, we do um, free programming for any girls in foster care. They get to um, register early and they get to register for free. Um, so keep that in mind. Check our website, and then um, for most other folks, um, it opens usually the second Tuesday of the um, of February in twenty twenty one.
0: Super, awesome. and
1: it sells out very quickly. I will say this: so um, it sells out in um, in about four minutes.
0: Katie, thank you so much for sharing your story and telling us a little bit more about Girls Build. You're an inspiration to me and I'm sure so many other people. I really appreciate you being on the podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me and and kind of showcasing the wonderful world of um, the trades that we live in right now.
0: Next, we'll be chatting with Natasha Allen. Natasha is a Weld Process Manager at Right Line Equipment in Rainier, Oregon. We asked Natasha to tell us a little bit more about her career journey in manufacturing. Natasha, thank you for joining us today.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: So, Natasha, tell me a little bit more about um, Rightline Equipment. What do you guys do over there?
2: Uh, Rightline, we make forklift attachments. Um, It's a family-owned business out in Rainier, and uh, we've been open since the 70s.
0: So, forklift attachments, and, and that's for forklifts that you'd use on a manufacturing floor?
2: Not limited to we make uh, units that pick up boats. We make units that rotate and dump. We make a lot of stuff for Caterpillar. I mean, realistically, anything that you've seen on the front of a forklift, we've either innovated here or we've made. Oh, I see.
0: So, how, how long have you been with Rightline?
2: I have been with Rightline for seven years. And honestly, throughout my career um, at shops I worked at previously, Um, Even now, I've gotten a lot of other opportunities to work with other companies. But uh, when it comes to family-friendly and understanding and empathy, I haven't seen anything that matches what we have here.
0: Oh, that sounds great. Um, So it sounds like you've worked for a couple other places too. And are you currently, do you partner with other companies in in the work that you do?
2: Uh, No, we have our own engineering department here along with our own sales team. Um, we do our own painting. I mean, we have our own saw department, burning, press, everything, machining, everything's done in-house. But we do partner with other companies when it comes to apprentices or apprenticeships, excuse me, building programs for kids and youth for the trade industry as a whole.
0: And and I, I remember hearing a little bit about the apprenticeship program that you have there and you just mentioned it. And I'm, I'm curious to hear more about that. So what does that look like at RightLine?
2: We didn't build this program. Uh, we... Partnered with a group of other industry partners uh, like Everaz, Vigor, um, to build an apprenticeship uh, JATC with um, Oregon Labor and Industries. So we all partner to have apprenticeships with PCC, and we send our employees there to be better educated and gain more skills.
0: Gotcha. So this is a this is a, in collaboration with Portland Community College. Yes. And so, what do the apprentices do? Do they work for right line and then um, go take classes at PCC, or how does that work?
2: So now we are in the early stages. We've been doing this for a little over a year, and as it sits now, we pick up we pick employees that we think are viable to to growth and education, smart, driven young people. And we send them there for classes while they also work here so that they can gain different kinds of experience and journeyman cards at the end. Ideally, though, the long-term goal would be closer to the Sheffield model in England, and we would take kids fresh out of high school, train them while they work for us, and we sponsor, and then bring them into the industry afterwards.
0: So, that's your maybe your ultimate goal, it sounds like, is to kind of bring them in at a you know earlier in their careers um, when they're maybe in high school at the high school level and then be able to train them up from there.
2: Absolutely. There's a huge shortage of uh, skilled trade workers in the US right now, and I think uh, most companies feel that we need to bolster that.
0: So, tell me a little bit about what where did you start in your career and what inspired you to get into manufacturing?
2: Prior to welding, I was a tattoo artist and a single mom with three kids. And as you can imagine, most of the business comes on nights and weekends, and my kids were not pleased with that. So I decided to go back to school. And upon starting school, I found out that welding is a career path, um, something I had never known before. It's extremely artistic, and it seemed like something I could really get into.
0: So was this the a welding prog- program over at Portland Community College or which where were you learning about it?
2: It was at LCC. Um Lower Columbia College in Longview.
0: And so um it sounds like you were taking some classes there and and that was one of the classes is that is that how you got into welding or had you had some prior experience with it at that point?
2: No, actually I had I had no previous experience welding. Um I found out about the program because I was working nights tattooing still, and I had a work-study job at the college. And I got to know some of the other students in the program, and they said I should really look into it.
0: What attracted you to welding? Like, what, It sounds like, yes, you're, you're looking for maybe a little bit of a, maybe a schedule change, maybe of a career change, but going from tattoo artistry to welding, that's kind of, it seems like it might be a, a, diff- a really different career path. So um, what, what made you make the jump?
2: Realistically, it's not that big of a leap. Um, both are widely artistic. It is scheduled, which I really do appreciate, but it's all hand-eye coordination, patience, understanding the science, and I've always been into science. Um, but the vast majority of it is really understanding the flow, directionality. It's very artistic.
0: For the listeners that might not know what's involved with vel- welding, can you describe it a little bit? Um, what do you do if you're welding? Is it, what kind of you know tools do you use?
2: So there's many different processes when it comes to welding. Welding is kind of a general term. There's TIG, MIG, uh, submerged arc. Um, but essentially, you're taking a filler metal, um, be it wire or uh, a rod, and you're sending an electronic pulse through it, through the material, through whatever table or apparatus you're using, and it goes back to the ground of the welder. So it takes your filler metal and it becomes... Magma, It becomes uh, a liquid metal and it penetrates into whatever metal you're welding onto, the parent metal, and it goes into it. So depending on which one you're using or which process you're using, it's different, but it's like, it's like painting with lava. It really is. Uh, whether it's wire or, or rod, you're brushing in or washing in a filler metal, a orange hot glow of metal into pieces of metal to join them.
0: So I'm curious, um, it sounds like you had some inspiration from um, folks to get into welding. And did you have any other mentors um, that inspired you along the way once you started uh, getting into that career?
2: Well, obviously, my kids were my driving force from the beginning, but I did have a mentor at LCC. He was my welding instructor named Alan Evald. And he was like yoda that that man could weld anything in any application in any process but more than being a master of welding he was empathetic and supportive and any time that i was worried that i wouldn't be able to make it or i couldn't cut it he was always there to push me to completion to push me to greatness to make sure that i followed whatever direction i wanted to go
0: fabulous and have you have you faced any challenges along the way
2: uh yeah yeah um like most male-driven jobs and environments. It is a bit of a boy club. I started here seven years ago. I started welding uh, at nine, almost a decade ago. Um, and realistically, it is a boys club. There's lots of sweetheart princess, a lot of um, doubt. Um, but mostly, you see a lot of fear, mostly due to stereotypes of women or the fear of frivolous love lawsuits, uh, not founded, obviously, but unfounded. There's a fear of unfounded lawsuits from a lot of the guys that I've worked with. And I realized that I had to earn my spot, uh, not just as an employee, but um, for my gender. Uh, When I started in school, I was one of two women. And every shop I've ever worked at, I was always the first woman there. After nearly a decade here, we have 13 women um, and that's a lot of pushing and a lot of uh, proof that not only can we do the job, but you don't need to be afraid of us. You do need a, th- a thick skin. That, that that goes without saying it is the industry, but that's for everybody. You just need a thick skin and a good sense of humor. But it's changed a lot in the last decade. It's not so much of a boys club anymore. Um, the guys that I've known are welcoming and funny, and the fear is going away.
0: And is that something that has changed recently um, or, or did, did you see it changing when you, when you already had started to kind of get into the industry?
2: I saw it changing over time. Specifically in my situation, I hold a position of authority. Um, I still get the looks of surprise when I give well tests to a guy and he comes in and says, you? And I say, yeah, I'm going to train you if you get hired on and I'll be here to help you through it and teach you what you need to know. And it's a shock, but it's always taken in a positive way and they're very excited. But when I first started, it, it wasn't like that at any shop. Even in school, there's, there was this idea that it's not a girl's place and it's dirty and it's violent and it's not somewhere that girls should be. But over the years, it, it has changed. People have changed. Uh, the idea of girls in the shop has it's evolved.
0: As you've gone along, have, have there been other organizations out there that have been supportive, um, to your journey, um, as a woman, um, in manufacturing or to others that you've known, um, that have also joined you on that path?
2: Yeah. Um, So personally, I didn't work with this, um, affiliation until after I received my position, um, with authority. But WMI, uh, Women in Metal Industries, is is a phenomenal program that helps a lot of young women and women in general get into the industry. Um, but for me personally, the high, excuse me, the college that I went to, um, holds programs for young girls and high school girls, middle school girls to get, um, essentially a taste of the industry and welding and machining that we participate in along with other um, companies that we associate with. But there's also a women in the mentors program that's held that has done a lot of good with helping girls that are and young women that are getting into these programs for the industry to know what's coming, to be prepared, to have a good understanding um, and to find support with other women in the industry.
0: Super. So would you have any advice that you might give to other women um, and even younger women that are just starting their careers about finding the right manufacturing position for themselves, kind of the same way that you did?
2: The best advice that I could give women and people in general, but specifically women in this industry, is that these skills that you have acquired or are going to acquire or are acquiring are bankable and they are in dire need of these skills, not just in the U.S., but globally. So that means that you can go anywhere and get a job. Find something that makes you happy and don't stop until you find a job that truly makes you happy. Every day I come to work happy to work. I love my job. I I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Keep fighting until you find your spot.
0: So tell me a little bit more about how you are um, inspiring women um, in your community to get into manufacturing.
2: Pizza Pop and Power Tools is something we did two, two three years ago. Um, gosh, maybe longer now. Um, we started it then at LCC and essentially all the manufacturing companies. So like, not just welding, but like PUD came, um, Oregon Electric came, um, and we set up booths for middle school girls, and they would walk around from booth to booth, and they would weld with me and my daughter. Um, They built like birdhouses with PUD. They hooked up a a electrical circuit with Oregon electric. And it was just, I mean, we had pizza, but yeah, we, we do. We always do events like that. Uh, We set it up at LCC for high school kids to come through boys and girls. Um, But there's always separate for a separate time just for girls because they say around seventh grade, that girls start getting pushed away from the industry. Um, mm-hmm. So we want to nip that in the bud.
0: Yeah, I could see that as being a really great um, experience for them, give them a little bit of an introduction to welding and um, and to inspire them.
2: I also think that it's important uh, during COVID. I don't know if many of the partnering companies are aware of the fact that a lot of students taking alternative routes to graduation in high school are missing their trade classes that they would be getting not only high school credit for, but college credit and teachers are giving them the opportunity to get credit for these trade classes by watching virtual field trips of local partnering facilities. So we've done one, which was fun for me to record, even though I'm not a videographer by any means. But just something for these kids to be able to watch, to, to maintain an interest in, because a lot of kids are losing the opportunity to get college credits like Running Start um, for taking welding both in high school and college. We hire high school kids all the time fresh out of high school so they can train on site.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Their
2: experience, fresh out of college. We also hire students that are still in school. I started that four years ago. So we'll hire a student that's still in school and we work around their school schedule so that they can not only get class credits for working, but then they're also working while they're in school.
0: Gotcha. So that's a great opportunity for them to continue with their education and but also get some experience, which is so important and critical um, to so they can get their career started. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Natasha.
2: I'm gonna go get to work. Thank you so
0: much. Thank you for listening to the Manufacturing Matters Oregon podcast. To learn more about manufacturing in Oregon, visit ManufacturingMattersOregon.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.